when I hear that, I, I love it. I, I, my mind goes back to uh, some occasions. Well, one, one occasion I specifically remember preaching at a black church, and uh, it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> they talked back. You know, I, I, I'm into something, hit a line, they go, oh, yeah, come on. And it's like, man, that's all I needed. I'm going, all right, you got, you got that? How about this? They go, come on, come on. It was, it was awesome. You guys are nothing, man. You guys, <laughs> guys need to get some, something in you. All right. Uh, <laughs> I have had people talk back to me in this service, and the ushers <laughs> kind of, the security team has to come in and take them out. So <laughs> that's, that's what, the way it works. <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. So uh, I bought an air fryer this week. Uh, why, you may ask? That's a good question. Because my wife told me to. Uh, we were at the store. She, and uh, No, I'm not that easy, uh, if you know me. Uh, but, I, you know, I'm like, uh, what? You know, what's an air fryer? I mean, think about it. I mean, I, I didn't feel real need to fry air. You know, I was like, what, what in the world are you talking about? And then she showed me. She goes, well, here, here's what it is. It looked like a, it was just a little tiny oven. You know, it looked like one of those easy-bake ovens my sisters got for Christmas. And I thought, what? I said, man, honey, you got a nice big oven at home, and you can fry all the air you want in that thing. You know I mean? Look, look at this. And I said, what is an air fryer for? And she said, well, it's a special way to fry food. And I said, so why do we have 26 frying pans at home? I'm a tough sell, all right? I just don't go buy it. Anyway, so here was the clincher. She came down. She says, look it, this thing is perfect for leftover pizza and cold French fries. I go, buy it, baby. (laughs) Here's my wallet. I'm all in. So we've got ourselves an air fryer. So here's a question before the house today, and, um, and if you're watching online, it's the question in your house as well. What are you here for? You know, what's this air fryer for? What are you here for? What I mean is, what are you doing here? What are you doing here on earth in 2022? That's the question. You go, whoa, let's dump in the deep end. No, that's, that's the question of the day. Everybody at some point, well, vast majority of people at some point, look in the mirror and ask the fundamental questions. Who am I and why am I here? These are profound questions. Who am I, right? Identity is a major, major topic. Well, you look in and you sort it out. Who am I? Well, you're a human being, all right, as opposed to... Uh, one of the Star Wars characters in the bar. You know, isn't it funny? You see all those characters. I, I love seeing those scenes. Every time there's a bar scene in a Star Wars movie, I go, oh, yeah, let's check it out. All these different things, uh, you know, as opposed to that. Or as opposed to you're a human being, as opposed to those characters, or your pet cat, or as opposed to an air fryer, all right? So what, who are you, and what am I here for? Is there, this is meaning, meaning and purpose and significance in life, you know, is, is there some reason that I, as you look at yourself in the mirror, is there some reason that I'm designed like this and not like a Star Wars character? Is, is there some purpose to my existence? Um, how do I best function and how can I truly flourish as a human being? These are 
questions. These are significant questions of the human heart, and we want to move into that today. Uh, You know, it's funny to ask, why do we even ask these questions? Why do we even ask these questions? You ever wonder that? And where do we go for answers? You know, your pet cat doesn't sit around and say, what are we here for? You know, your cat's not going to do it. We do. So why do we even ask the questions and where do we go for answers? What I would say, what I would suggest, what I would, uh, is this. The Bible would say, see the scriptures would say, the reason that we even ask the question is because we are created in the image of God. That's why the cows in the barn aren't asking a question. Neither is your wonderful dog not asking a question. Because they weren't created in the image of God. But we, human beings, were created in the image of God. The other reason we ask the questions is Ecclesiastes says, God has put eternity in our hearts. See, we, he's put eternity in our hearts. Something that tells us, what's the big story? What's going on here? I woke up in the middle of this, and it's going some, you know, what, what is that? And God's put eternity in our hearts. That's why we ask these questions. And so, the reference point for these incredible questions of every human heart, the reference point for the answers of why are we here, and what are we here for, has got to begin with God. has to begin with God. So turn to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Uh, this will be on page 947. If you want to grab a Bible in the rack in front of you, we always open up God's Word uh, here this morning. If you're new with us, we every, every Sunday we're opening up this word because, frankly, I don't have anything worth getting out of bed to come in here. Um, and so we, we open up God's word together and we look at it. Powerfully speaks to our lives. So Romans eleven thirty six. I'm just going to do one verse. And, and basically the book of Romans is crescendoing. It builds and builds and builds. And Paul, you know, comes to the end of chapter 11 and he just kind of breaks out in this praise doxology, okay? And um, I better turn there. I'm telling you to turn there. And, he, and he's going, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom of the knowledge of God. And then he, and he, in verse 36, here it is, verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. That is an incredibly comprehensive statement. You see, for, you see, the reference point for all these questions has to be God. Why? Well, because from him and through him and to him are all things, and to, to him be glory forever. Amen. So, point one this morning is we were made you know what are you here for we were made to glorify god we were made to glorify god the old testament the book of isaiah chapter 43 there's a powerful statement there in verses six and seven bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth everyone who's called by my name whom i created for my glory whom i formed and made. So this is the designed purpose of our lives as human beings, 
In the book of Colossians, it talks about the fact, talking about Jesus and all things were created by him and for him. So this is what we're here for. We were made to glorify God. So we are created by God for the glory of God. This is what it means to worship God. This is what, what it looks like. So, so we're in this series, okay? We're in a series called Knowing God. And the sub-point is, it's a series on worship. And Josh and I, as we talk through these things, you know, if we're going to do a series on worship, you've you got to start by describing who it is that we're worshiping. And that's why the first weeks have been all about knowing God. You've got to know God, and then worship is your response to that God. So you've got to accurately know God to rightly worship him. And so the proper response of the creature to the creator God is to glorify God. Right? So a series on worship, the proper response of the creature to the creator God is to glorify God. In fact, listen to what they do it so all the way through scripture it talks about that listen in the book of revelation when you got people surrounding the throne room of god in the throne room of god and they're worshiping now you'd think you know people always talk about well when we get to heaven you know it'll all be cleared up all right these people are there and their perspective and what they see is important in their perspective on life all is crystallized and listen to what they're saying Revelation chapter 4, this is the hymn of heaven, verse 11. Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. So worthy are you to receive glory and honor and power. Why? For you created all things, and by your will they existed and they were created. There's a famous um, little, little study uh, called it's a, it's a catechism the, the Westminster shorter catechism is called I remember I was first introduced to it I think I was about ninth grade and uh, and uh, the pastor was like okay we're going to go through this little book you know and it's set up in a question answer form and it's to teach you uh, theology and doctrine and things and and we never got past the first like question and answer in this book uh, it's the only one I remember but guess what it ends up being the most important one because it's pretty pretty well known and the very first one question, the very first question in this is this, what is the chief end of man? In other words, what is the, the ultimate primary end all purpose of us as human beings? What is the chief end of man? And the answer to the question is this, the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Now, where did the Westminster Catechism get that all those passages I just read the chief end of man is to glorify God we were made to glorify God and enjoy him forever well, what does it really look like to glorify God and unpack that John MacArthur does a great job listen to this short statement he says the biggest the highest purpose any individual can have is to be totally absorbed in the person of God and to view all of life through eyes filled with his wonder and glory. That is the perspective of the true worshiper, the one who truly glorifies God. And you see that pictured in, in heaven, right? So very practically, practically speaking, when it gets right down to it, what's it look like to glorify God? Like 
tomorrow or today and on a daily basis. Um, I, I love the way 1 Corinthians 10.31 brings it right down uh, on, on a basic level of application when it says this, 1 Corinthians 10.31, so, so, whether you eat or drink, down to the mundane things of life, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to what? The glory of God. Now, um, he, Martin Luther is famous for saying that uh, he, a dairy maid can milk cows to the glory of God. And so this is, this is what we were made for, even down, and, and it, it absorbs all of life. In fact, next week, the sermon's going to be uh, worship as a lifestyle, and we're going we're gonna to move into that and expand this thing. All right? Now, it's at this point, so if we're made to glorify God, that's the purpose that we were created by our Creator, it's at this point that every single one of us in the room and every single person that's listening online, this is where our lives have derailed. In other words, we were born as fallen, sinful people, and because of that, we have not lived lives to the glory of God. That's where things get derailed. That's why Romans 3.23 famously says this. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. And so here we are, as creations of God, we were meant to glorify him, and all of us have derailed that, the fundamental purpose of our lives. See, we were all born basically committing and giving ourselves to other purposes in life than to glorify God. I mean, when I was born, I was the cutest kid in the universe. Ask my mother, and well, nobody past her believed it, but, but anyway, but the thing was, guess what? I was born bent on, bent in another direction than glorifying God and enjoying for him forever. There, there's no way. There's no way. We're bent, to, we got other purposes in life and other desires in life. Uh, it wasn't enjoying God. Man, my life was bent enjoying a whole lot of other things and not God, right? And, and worshiping other gods. Romans 1 describes how this all unravels and you go, wow, that sounds like the world we live in. That's right, because we're all, well, Romans 1 says we did not honor God. See, we did not honor him. And glorify him, we exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and we worshiped and served other gods of our own making. Now, when you think about worshiping other gods of our own making, we, we think, well, that's like in an African jungle and they bow down to whatever. Uh, no, no, it, it can be that, but it, it's how we live in a, in a culture in America. There's all kinds of things that we make our gods, anything that's more important than, than God. You know, this is where I'm going to get my satisfaction. This is where I'm going to get my joy. Um, we, we fabricate our own gods. People do it all the time. Those, do you believe in God? Yeah, but, but my God says I'm okay. And, and my God says, my God, I got to believe my God uh, would be pleased with what I'm doing because he just wants me to be happy, and I think this is how I'm going to be happy. My God doesn't judge me. And, and Tim Keller makes a very, very insightful statement, a pastor uh, for many years in Manhattan. He says, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. 
And, and that's what we all do. We're all born doing that. All of sin that falls short of the glory of God. And we all just fabricate, you know, this is what, I, what I'm going to do. And this is, I want to go. And well, yeah, do you believe in God? I sure do. Well, tell me about it. Well, he never disagrees with me and he thinks I'm wonderful. <laughs> right? It's like, wow, you know, that's kind of scary. Right? So the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Now, if you listen to the culture around us and even to your own voices, the dominant answer that the culture gives to the question, what is the chief end of man? So if you run around and interview people, what is the chief end of man? The dominant message and cultural narrative could be summarized like this. Is it to glorify God and enjoy him forever? No. Culture would say the chief end of man is to glorify self and enjoy whatever I think will make me happy. The chief end of man is to glorify self and enjoy whatever I think is going to meet my desires and pleasure me. Tonight's Super Bowl, watch it. You know, I, I'm not saying don't watch it. Uh, I'm going to watch it. There's a big party at my, my daughter's in-law's house. You guys got any food? You got some food? Okay, good. I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm coming. All right. um, so the Super Bowl part tonight, you watch it. The Super Bowl, watch halftime show. Maybe, maybe you want to send the kids out of the room. Um, but the, the halftime show, you know, you got Snoop Dogg and Eminem and Dr. Dre and, and all that happening. And then the commercials, okay? I want you to watch all that tonight. The Super Bowl, the halftime show, and the commercials. What you're going to hear will be one faith claim after another that's answering the question, what am I here for? All all night long, you're going to hear the question, what am I here for? And trust me, it will not be glorify God and enjoy him forever. See if you don't think the statement is to glorify self and enjoy whatever I think is going to make me happy. And there's some people paying, what, $7 million for a 30-set commercial to tell you what you need to buy so that you finally find the satisfaction that you're looking for. The trouble is, when you try to find the true answer to these very powerful questions about identity and meaning and purpose by looking within yourself, which is the basic fundamental issue, all of sin that falls short of the glory of God, because you know what, we're going to find the answer to these questions within ourselves. You choose the wrong starting point. And think about it, man. I don't know about you, but I don't feel one bit qualified to answer the question, <laughs> what am I here for? Guys, I'm not that smart, and I haven't had that much experience. I just showed up in the middle of this crazy thing. I, I popped out and looked around and go, what in the world's going on here? I don't have a clue. I don't have a clue what's going on. And, and well, look within yourself and decide. Look within myself. You know, I, I, got, I need somebody from the outside who's <laughs> been around got a better perspective than me. That's right. So what I would recommend, listen, the reference point has to be God for these questions. So Rick Warren, in his highly, highly um, 
a number one bestseller uh, called The Purpose Driven Life. The subtitle is, What on Earth Am I Here For? And it, it, it's amazing. It's set up like a 40-day read. For 40 days, you read it. Well, you open the book, day one, the title of day one is, It All Starts With God. And here's the opening line, It's Not About You. And you go, whoa, that is so countercultural, right? It's not about you. He says, if you want to know why you're placed on this planet, you must begin with God, your creator. You exist only because God wills you to exist. You were made by God and for God. Until you understand that, life will never make sense. It's only in God that we discover our origin, our identity, our meaning, our purpose, our significance, and our destiny. Every other path leads to a dead end. So is there any hope for all of us, me, you, who were born traveling that dead end path? Or, like the song we sing around here sometimes, I was running my hell-bound race. Is there any hope for all of us who were born running a hell-bound race? There is. Got really, really good news. It's the verse right after Romans 3.23. Listen to what it says. I love this. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God uh, and, and, and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And I thought I'd hear an amen, man. If I was in the black church, they'd be dancing in the pews right now. Come on, preach it, right? So what that's saying is this, right? It's like Josh says, Pastor Josh said last week, he talked about the gracious God. See, here's the deal. The gracious God came to earth to buy us back redemption he died on the cross shed his blood for our sins and paid the price for our sin so that when you turn from your sin and by faith embrace embrace christ as your savior then you are born again you're, you're birthed again you're made a new creation a new creature in christ so that don't miss this so that we could live the life that we were created by God to live. We can finally live the kind of life that we were designed for. See, there's a way in which the culture's really confused right now, and it's leading to a lot of destruction. People say, I was born this way. I know. And they think, I was born this way, therefore I'm going to pursue this path. No, listen. We were all born bent and headed down the wrong direction. You got to get back to what you were created for in the first place. And you were created to live a life to the glory of God. So how would you answer the question, what are you here for? All right, second point I want to make here is this. So we're, we're made to glorify God, and second, we are commanded to enjoy God. You know, we freak out in the word command. What are the commands? Yeah, I got a commandment from Scripture to you. Uh-oh, here we go. Here come all the rules. Enjoy God. You go, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> you know, uh, l listen, back to the little Q&A Westminster Catechism. 
What is a chief end of man? The answer, a chief end of man is to glorify God. I got that part as a kid, and I missed the second part, to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Most people I know in church circles have forgotten the second part. I did for many years. Question, do you enjoy God? Because you can't glorify him if you don't enjoy him. Paul wanted to make this point. Paul was not a guy who enjoyed the finer things of life by any stretch, right? Paul wasn't sitting around, you know, nice wife. You know, Paul wasn't married. We don't know if he was divorced or what happened, but, he, but Paul wasn't, he, you know, he didn't sit around with a wife and kids and hanging out at some beachside resort. You know, that's not, that wasn't Paul's life. And Paul speaks into it and says, look, Philippians 4, 4, he's got a commandment for us. This is an imperative, a command. Rejoice in the Lord always. And in case we scratch our head, he repeats it. Again, I say, rejoice. Psalm 37, 4, very powerful. You want to know the commands of God? Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that's not a bait and switch thing like you'll hear on TV with some preachers going, hey, send $20 and you're going to be rich, or hey, you do this and you're going to be rich. You know, it'll get you the real desires of your heart, which is that nice car in the house. And No, 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 no. The real desires of your heart are the Lord. So delight yourself in the Lord. Enjoy God. It's a command. Delight yourself in the Lord, and you'll finally find what your heart desires. So I was playing baseball. I love baseball. And uh, I'm in my senior year in high school, and um, I found myself on the bench. I was better than those guys out there. I, you know, I, I was good. No, I, I, the coach didn't like me, tr truly. I mean, everybody knew it. Some of my friends are going, wow, what would you do to him? I go, I have no idea. But I'm on the bench, and I really enjoyed baseball, and I was not enjoying the coach one bit. My mother comes by one day at the house, I remember, and she says, you need to check out Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, at first, I thought, well, that's good. Maybe I'll go to church a little bit more and learn some Bible verses, and, and the Lord will make me a baseball star. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, wait a second. Delight myself in the Lord. See, God was teaching me to enjoy him because what my heart really longed for was not a professional career in baseball, but God himself. I didn't appreciate my mother telling me that, but I sure appreciate it now. You know, Tom Brady, you can go pull up the interview. I pulled it up and, and watched part of it, uh, just a small part of it again uh, just last night. But Tom Brady's famous for an interview he did on 60 Minutes after he won his third Super Bowl. He's 27 years old. They're interviewing him. He's going, man, this is amazing. You, you've, you've won three Super Bowls. You're 27. And, and Tom Brady looks at the interview. I can still see his face. And Brady looks at his interview. He goes, yeah, I know. I've got all this. I've got everything. I, I just, he's, and then he, he says this. He says, there has to be something more out there. there. 
I've done all this and I'm 27. There's got to be something more out there. And the interviewer didn't know how to respond. And the interviewer's kind of like this. And the the interviewer kind of goes, well, what is that? And he goes, I don't know. It's God. John Piper in his book, Desiring God, had a huge impact on my life and on so many people who have read it around the world. Um, John Piper makes the case in his whole thing in his book, Desiring God, is he takes the classic statement that uh, uh, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he tweaks one word, and he says this. He says, really, to get the real gist of this, it's got to be the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. And Piper's well known for this statement to press that point home is this. God... How how are you going to glorify God? How do you glorify God? Well, God's most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. It's a very important clarifying thing. Because I don't know about you, but, you know, I, you know, what's a cheap, what are you supposed to do? I'm supposed to glorify God. You know, and you got this image of, I better be doing this and doing this and doing this right, doing this right, doing this right. And I missed, I missed missed the whole thing. God's most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him. You're commanded to enjoy him, and this is how you glorify him. Are you, are, are you with me? This is new, isn't it? It's huge, the command to enjoy God. A couple ways in which we'll press into it this morning and wrap it up, all right? This is a huge thing. It will be a life-saving guide to you when it comes to two things. One is picking your pleasures Picking our pleasures. Every one of us has to evaluate the pleasures and the desires that well up in our heart and mind. We have lots of passions and desires and affections, as Jonathan Edwards would call. We have lots of pleasures and affections and desires. When you're evaluating all of those that well up in your heart, you must choose well. Because some of the desires and passions and affections that well up in your heart are not good. Now, desire, passion, and affection in and of itself is not bad. No, it's good. God created us. You know, enjoy him. How are you going to do that without without the desire and the pleasure and the satisfaction. But, but what God's very clear about is there are desires and passions that well up in your heart that are, in fact, what the Bible labels evil and deceitful. In other words, they lie to you. Oh, this is going to make me happy. Eh, they're lying to you. And, in fact, will destroy you. And so how do you sort those things out? Well, you follow the commands of God. You know, he, God said, I want to enjoy it forever. So you travel outside the U.S. I've had the privilege of doing that a number of different places. And one of the first things, you know, you, you, you hear when you travel to another country is uh, many times you land and they go, now look, don't drink the water, <laughs> Right? And that, that, that's what you want to know. You know, you land, I'm in, I've been in Cambodia and Guatemala and all kinds of different places, and, you know, Africa. And you know, hey, well, how, what's, the, what's the, don't drink the water. Okay, okay. 
But what do you do? What if you, what if you first time you travel out of the country, you land, don't drink the water. You go, well, wait a minute, I'm thirsty. Isn't it legitimate that I'm thirsty for water? Well, yeah, but don't drink the water. Well, are you trying to steal all my joy and steal my pleasure? This is very oppressive, these rules about don't drinking the water. I'm thirsty, and the water looks good, so I'm going to drink it anyway. And then, you know, a day later, they're going, you know, where, where's Dan? Well, he's in the restroom. Well, he's been in there a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he drank the water. Oh, what is he drinking the water for? Okay, now listen, listen, listen. God never says, don't drink water. He says, I am the living water. Drink deeply of me. And don't drink the water in these other places because it will destroy you. Have you heard about the Ten Commandments? Oh, yeah, 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 the Ten Commandments. You know, a lot of times people go, well, I, I just live my life by the Ten Commandments and do my best. Now, don't be, a, you know, be kind. But, you know, it's, it, I, you know, I kind of smile and somebody says, well, that's how I live my life. I think I'm going to get to heaven by doing my best to keep the Ten Commandments. I go, wow, wow that's impressive. Um, can you name the Ten Commandments? I have trouble going through all ten of them. Can you name? And, and they, they don't name. You know, very few people even know the Ten Commandments, but they're living their life by them. Anyway, that's another, another story. But do you know the Ten Commandments? You know, what that, you know what the first one is? Number one. Commandment number one. You know what it is? Here it is. You shall have no other gods before me. Question. Why in the world does God come to you and I as human beings and say, listen, I got some commands for you. You better obey them or you're going to die. Commandment number one, no other gods before me. You know why God has that? Because God knows that you will never find the satisfaction that your heart most desires anywhere else except him. And so he says, listen, don't be chasing any other gods but me. I have to be your ultimate lover. If you chase other lovers, you're going to die. Chasing the wrong pleasures will never satisfy. It will destroy you. Jesus was very serious. Jesus was very serious about us experiencing the abundant life. And he warns and says, look, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus says. But I have come to give you abundant life. Follow me. It's a commandment to enjoy God and find life in him. Listen, you, you better pick your pleasures well or it will destroy you. Um, C.S. Lewis is famous for, for tapping into this. And, and Lewis, very aware of different things, that, the, the desires and pleasures we have. And Lewis tagging off of Jesus' call to the abundant life and to eternal life. Lewis says, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum, but it's because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. You mean all you want to do in life is win the Super Bowl? 
Yeah, I guess that person does, right? Is all, all you want to do in life is win the Super Bowl? All you want to do in life, listen to the halftime show. Is that all you want to do in life? Is run around and, 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 and pursue your, your sexual passions with, 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 ever, with any person that you think you, you want to do that with? Is that, is, that, is that all you want? Ambition and power and glory and fame. And, is, is it, and, and Lewis goes, what are you doing? You're like making mud pies in the slums, and you have no idea of, of, of the desire and pleasure that can be found in God. Psalm 1611 is a powerful verse, and it says this, God, you make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand, what? At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. You glorify God when you say, I'm going to passionately pursue and pick those pleasures. You glorify God when you do that. John Piper calls this command to enjoy God. He calls it Christian hedonism. He's known for giving it that term. And you think, wait a minute, I thought hedonism was bad. Well, yeah, yeah, just straight hedonism. What straight hedonism says and teaches and believes, it's the belief that uh, the point of our human existence is just to find as much pleasure as you possibly can wherever you think you can find it, right? Christian hedonism says, no, wait a second. Uh, Christian hedonism says, you gotta, the pursuit of your pleasure has to be bound up with God himself. We were made initially by God and for God, and the best and highest pleasure is a God-centeredness that the secular hedonist cannot possibly imagine. The pleasures are too fleeting, they're too small, they're too narrow, and I would add, destructively addictive. D.A. Carson uh, speaks uh, to that point uh, so, so well. John Piper says, not to enjoy God is to dishonor him, to say to him that something else satisfies you more. That's the opposite of worship. Jeremy Taylor goes on very strongly to say, God threatens terrible things if we will not be happy. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. All right, the command to enjoy God guides us in picking our pleasures. The last thing, I just hit it briefly, is it helps us to pursue our purpose. When you look into the mirror and ask the question, who am I and what am I here for? Um, it's really important that you get that one right. All right? Are you an air fryer? No. Are you a cat? No. Are you a Star Wars figure? No. Are you a consumer? Is all you are is a consumer? Buy and purchase and be, are you a consumer? Are you just a sex object? Are you just a sex thing? Uh, wh wh who, who are you? What, what are you? What's your purpose? So on the wall of the chapel where I went to college, and so I'm in there for chapel day after day for four years, in wooden letters on the wall, it eventually got through to me, and it helped me in a profound way. On the wall to figure out, I had a lot of passion run through me, a college student, and I, man, I got, it's like, all right, what am I going to do with my life? I want to I know satisfaction, and I want to know significance, and that drove me. Very, very passionately. 
And on the wall at Grace College, on the front of it, it's, it's these words. To know him and to make him known. That deeply anchored me. See, if you glorify God by enjoying him forever, if you know God, do you know God? Oh, man, he is my treasure, he's my joy, he's my love. If you know God, that joy will automatically flow from your heart and be extended into the lives of others. You're going to want to make him known. You're going, oh my word, I found what so many what people I care about are searching for. I found it. Listen, listen, listen. you got to see this, what you're really after, what we were after, what I was after for so long. I found it. Listen, you got to find it in Jesus. So, so this, is, this is what your life's about. To know and enjoy God and make him known. That's what it means to glorify God and enjoy him forever. It makes so much sense, right? What does it look like in a real life? A guy, uh, I, I talked with a guy this week. It, it was a delightful conversation. He's a new believer. He's come to Christ, given his life to Christ in the last year. In last year, in the middle of COVID, yeah, when, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. God's still working, you know, he's still working. And so he, he's come to Christ, and he, was, he came in, and we sat down, and he was talking. And he said, uh, hey, here, here's what I did for Christmas. My three children, two in college, one um, still in high school. He says, I, I, I bought all three of my kids a Bible. And then what I did is I went through and highlighted these verses in it that, that have just meant so much to him and he says i i gave gave my kids a bible and they they like accepted it and he's like crying he's absolutely thrilled you know what i saw happening in my office this week it's a guy who came to know him he knew god and all he wanted to do is make it known to his kids that's all i want that's all i want that's the most important thing in his life right now no, I, I know him, and I'll make him known. Is, is this what makes you think? This is what living to the glory of God looks like. It, it, it's, it's amazing. To know him is to enjoy him and to be satisfied in him. And our joy is multiplied. Piper talks about this. We'll get into it in future weeks. It's multiplied when we see others find satisfaction in him. So uh, I'll close with this story. Um, my wife shared this with me. She came across it this past week, and it was about a uh, Holocaust survivor. Uh, she was a teenage girl living in Germany at the time, teenage girl. And um, when the Nazis came through, took her and a whole bunch of people, loaded them up on trains, and for days they were headed toward Auschwitz. She talked about how cold it was. It was so cold. No food, no water. They're all packed into these cars. It's snowing everywhere. She says this, Next to me was an elderly Jew who was very loved in my city. He was all shaking and looking terrible. I wrapped him with my hands to warm him up. I hugged him tight to give him some warmth. I rubbed his hands. I rubbed his legs, his face, his neck. I begged him to stay alive. I cheered him up. This is how I kept this man warm all night. I myself was tired and absolutely frozen, but I kept massaging this man's body to warm him up. Hours passed. 
Finally, the morning came, and as the sun started to rise, I looked around myself to see other people in this train car, and to my horror, all I could see were frozen corpses. All I could hear was the silence of death. The frosty night had killed everyone. They died of the cold. Only two people survived, the old man and me. And listen, the old man survived because I didn't let him freeze. And I survived because I made him warm. Listen, my friends, we live in a cold, dark, evil, fallen, lost world that desperately needs people who know him and want to make him known. The warmth and the light of Jesus Christ extended to others is why we're here. Enjoying him and making him known. Glorify God, enjoying him forever. He's most, he's most glorified in us, but we're most satisfied in him. Psalm 90 is a prayer that I have prayed quite often, and more so in the last two years than any other period of my life. And I would encourage you, because Moses, this is a prayer from Moses, and see if you don't hear his prayer resonating all across everything we talked about this morning. Here it is, Psalm 90, verses 14 and 15. I'd encourage you to pray this every morning when you get up. Satisfy me this morning. Satisfy us in the morning. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. That I would rejoice and be glad. That I would rejoice and be glad all of my days. God, yeah, I need to satisfy you. I need to enjoy your love for me. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad, Lord. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we have seen evil. Listen, folks, this life is brutal. You're going to face a lot of affliction and evil as believers. So what do you pray? God, I want to glorify you in my life. How do you do that? You glorify him and enjoy him by enjoying him forever. Make us glad. So let's pray. This morning, uh, you're one of two groups. Maybe this morning you're coming in and saying, man, I'm still one of those people that you know, I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is why Jesus came, to rescue you, to save you, to forgive you. So you can, right where you sit, say, okay, God, I tell you this morning, I want you to, to claim me. I want to turn from my sin and take you as my Savior. Forgive me of my sin. Make me a new creation. I need to know and set me on the path. This is what I was really created for, was to know you and enjoy you. If you're a believer this morning, you know, have you... Uh, Lost the joy. <laughs> is God your joy? Is he your satisfaction? Is he your treasure? Is he the love of your life? Or have you found yourself seduced in so many other directions? Turn. Say, God, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. 
Lord, uh, thank you for your word because we would never know this stuff looking into our own hearts. So thank you that by your grace, you have turned the light on and shown us the way to life. In Jesus' name, amen. So good to see you this morning. Thanks for being here. God bless.